There is no denying that there are some legitimate concerns when it comes to South Carolina's rushing attack in 2023. And because of that, Spencer Rattling this offense will have to start fast in these ball games. You are locked on Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Lockdown Gamecocks Podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock Athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of the Lockdown Gamecocks Podcast, and you can find my written work over on Gamecocks Digest on SI.com. Thank you so much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks Podcast your first listener watch here today. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. There is a lot of excitement surrounding South Carolina's offense heading into the 2023 season. And there's pretty good reason for that because quarterback Spencer Rattler decided to come back and his counterpart, star wide receiver Antoine Juice Wells, also decided to come back. And you throw those two in along with some other players, there's a chance that this passing attack alongside offensive coordinator Dow Lockets could be better this season. But the rushing attack, you can't exactly say the same thing regarding that facet of that side of the ball. And so because of the way this offense is constructed, Spencer Rattler and this offense will have to get off to a fast start in these ball games in 2023. You look at South Carolina's skill positions on offense outside of running back. Again, you got Spencer Rattler. You got Juice Wells. But you've also got guys like Xavier Leggett, Eddie Lewis, Amarian Brown, Nicholas Harper, Elijah Caldwell apparently could help out this offense based on what some people have said recently. And you've also got Trey Knox and Joshua Simon at tight end. So you've got a ton of options for Spencer Rattler, especially when it comes to the passing game. However, the two primary units when it comes to the box on offense, the running back and offensive line units, both of those position groups have big question marks heading into this season. With the running back position, it's simply who is going to be the guy for South Carolina. We talked about this several times now. They've got multiple pieces back there, guys with different skill sets. But again, typically, you don't want to be doing a running back by committee type of strategy, or at least employing that, because you don't really know if there's a standout guy. That's sort of the situation South Carolina finds themselves in heading into this season at that spot. And then the offensive line, they're going through a transition year in 2023. They are basically replacing four of their five starters that they had on that line from last year due to some guys moving on to the NFL, some other guys graduating, and Jalen Nichols obviously suffering that lower body injury in the spring game that could take him out for the majority of this season based on what Shane has said since the injury took place. South Carolina, therefore, will likely be passing the football a good amount more this fall compared to the last couple years. Now, this means two different things. One, there's a higher chance there's going to be incompletions, and that one's pretty obvious. If you're going to throw the football more, likely you're going to also have more incompletions, which means that there's going to be times where there'll be less time ticking off the clock because of those incompletions. And the defense... If able, the opposing defense, I should say, 
they're just going to have their D linemen line up, put their hand in the dirt, and rush the quarterback constantly because opposing defenses that face South Carolina, if they indeed are a pass-heavy offense this year, they're going to just basically tell their guys up front, get after number seven in the backfield. And that's a lot easier than them having to actually respect the running game as a defender. And this is why South Carolina in 2023 must get off the fast starts in these games. If things are ideal for South Carolina at the beginning of these games, then they are probably stretching the field horizontally and vertically in Dow Lockins' offense, and they're also selectively using tempo to keep the defense on their heels. This also would give the Gamecocks a better chance of both setting up the run and also just seeing overall success with their offensive scheme. And you combine all that together, it would mean South Carolina would have a better stranglehold over the flow of a football game. And that is in essence what two football teams are always fighting over from beginning to end. Who's got the momentum? Who's got control of the game? That matters in these football games. And you can't exactly quantify that. You can't exactly measure that. But there are typical indicators of it, such as your ability to consistently move the football down the field on offense. If that can happen for South Carolina, then they could get out to some early leads. And therefore, they would put more pressure on the opposing defense. And also subsequently, once you get to a certain point in the game, the opposing offense as well. Now, what if South Carolina does not get off to a fast start on offense in some of these games? Well, that probably means that you're seeing consecutive three and outs and six and outs. South Carolina struggled with that in their second scrimmage back in spring practice, where there were several drives that ended in three and outs. was not a good sign at that point for the ground game especially, before the offense obviously as a whole. This allows opponents the chance to gain early momentum. And the other thing to consider here is rush defense, because while it could go either way in 2023, and I do think that they will improve to a certain degree, what if there isn't marked improvement? What if they don't at least become an average rush defense? What if they're still below average? This could allow opponents to get out to early leads, maybe even multiple score leads. We saw this happen to South Carolina last season against some teams like Arkansas, obviously Georgia, at a certain point, Missouri, which just felt like a death by a thousand paper cuts type of football game. And if that sort of situation plays out for South Carolina this upcoming season, Spencer Rattler and the offense, they suddenly have to play catch-up. Because this team, I think, knows, I think the coaching staff knows, and deep down, whether some of us want to admit this or not, I think the fan base knows, this offense is not balanced this upcoming season. It's just not going to be balanced. Does that mean that some of these running backs can't make an impact in some of these games? No, I'm not saying that. But for 12 games, I don't know if we can bank on that right now. And going back to this situation, if Spencer Rattler and this offense has to play catch-up, again, I mentioned it earlier, defensive linemen, they're already going to target him because they know it's going to be a lot more passing plays than running plays. And that problem will just get exacerbated even more so If South Carolina cannot get off to a fast start, and indeed the opposite ends up happening. 
So overall, due to the questions when it comes to the running game, both on offense and defense, Spencer Rattler in this offense, they cannot afford to fall behind early in a lot of these marquee games this season. Games against teams like North Carolina, Tennessee, Missouri, Texas A&M, Kentucky, and Clemson. Those are kind of the six that I point to, and I know some people want to throw Georgia in there. Folks, let's be honest, South Carolina's not ready to contend with Georgia yet. If they do, I will happily eat my crow, but I don't think they're there yet. Those games, you've got to make sure that you take control of the game early. If you don't, it could eventually snowball, and it could wind up hurting South Carolina against each of these opponents. So, all the more reason why it is important that Spencer Rattler and this offense have really good starts in these games in 2023. Now, y'all heard me bring up the rush offense and rush defense a lot in that entire conversation. So, I want to propose a question now to all of you. Which unit needs to improve more to help this team be more successful in 2023? Is it rush offense or is it rush defense? We're going to dive into that conversation a little bit more in just a couple of moments. So I'm going to give you all some time to think on that. And while you do so, I want to let y'all know that today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors. Now, one of the most important things when it comes to building a championship team, much like Shane Beamer is trying to do right now with South Carolina, is to find guys that fit your operation. And that's sort of the same ideology that you can have when it comes to your cars, because every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head on over to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit, or you'll get your money back. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, whether it's a filter, a battery, a light, or maybe even a fuel pump, you'll be back in the game in no time. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. And speaking of every single day, as always, thank you to all of you everydayers for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your daily choice for South Carolina Gamecock sports coverage. For all of you everydayers, be on the lookout for a show later on in the week where I will discuss how both Spencer Rattler and Lenore Sellers could both help each other out to a great extent this upcoming season. I promise you, you're not going to want to miss that. But let's get on back to our discussion on today's show. Specifically, which unit needs to improve more to help this team be more successful in 2023? Rush offense or rush defense? I gave y'all a couple minutes to think about it, and I'm going to lay out the argument for both sides here, and then let y'all know what my overall thoughts are regarding this question. So let's start off with the rush defense, the argument for needing this side or this facet of the team to be more successful. Rush defense has arguably been South Carolina's biggest weakness since Shane Beamer arrived in Columbia back in December of 2020. 
probably outside of giving the football away on offense. But point being, at least on defense, that's been the biggest issue for the Gamecocks. No matter how much modern offenses revolve around the passing game these days, if you can't stop a team's rushing attack, let's be honest, 9 times out of 10, you're likely going to lose the football game. And when you look at some of these losses that South Carolina had in 2022, losses against Arkansas, Florida, and Notre Dame, what's a common denominator in each of those losses? The Gamecocks could not stop the run. And I get it, in the Notre Dame game, there were a few guys, specifically, that did not play for the Gamecocks, and depth was not good at certain spots. Point being, though, the Gamecocks still could not stop the run in that contest. Now, you could make the argument that making an opponent one-dimensional on offense is better than being two-dimensional with your own offense. Or could you? Here's the argument for why South Carolina's running game on offense needs to be more successful in 2023. The Gamecocks have had their offense held back over the past years by their lack of a rushing attack, besides some questionable play calling from somebody who is now in Lincoln, Nebraska. And like I mentioned with the rush defense, this was a common denominator in South Carolina's losses last season, but to an even greater extent. And to give you all an idea, here's some quick rushing yard stats from each of South Carolina's losses in 2022. Against Arkansas, the Gamecocks rushed for just 40 yards. Against Georgia, they rushed for 92 yards. Missouri, 32 yards. Florida, 44 yards. And Notre Dame, 65 rushing yards. The Gamecocks never cracked 100 total rushing yards in any of their losses that they had this past season. And that leads me into my thoughts on this overall question. I think that it's more important for South Carolina's rushing attack to be better than their rush defense in 2023. Here's the reason why. A lack of rush defense doesn't have as much of an impact on the same team's rushing attack. So, in essence, if you can't run the ball effectively, you're not only making it more likely that your offense is going to stall out, eventually go three and out or whatever and have to punt to the opposing team, but it also exacerbates any mistakes that the rush defense makes on your team. So essentially, the rush defense can't get off the field, so they wear down faster because you can't stay on the field because you can't run the football effectively. A lack of rush defense, admittedly, over a long period of time, could eliminate a team's own run game because the offense might have to eventually throw the football around a ton to try and play catch-up. So you still could make the argument for the opposite side of this entire conversation. But again, the effects aren't as great or emotionally draining as it is when you cannot run the football consistently throughout the course of a game. So... That's my overall opinion with South Carolina. Both of these facets definitely need to improve. There's no question about that. I'm not saying they would be okay for South Carolina's rushing offense to be, let's say, around 50th or so, but South Carolina's rush defense is still like 100th or worse, statistically speaking. I'm not saying that's okay. But if you've got to pick one or the other, I would say that you want the rushing attack to be better because 
That would help South Carolina have a much more balanced attack offensively. Also, opposing defensive linemen, they could not just put their hand in the dirt and constantly try to go after your quarterback, which also means it probably lessens the chance that Spencer Rattler could get hurt. And yes, South Carolina's quarterback room, it is in a very good situation right now. But do you really want to test that this year? Do you? I think that we would all prefer Spencer Rattler stay healthy, and we do not get into that conversation. Now, I did say that Spencer out in the offense does need to get off to a fast start in a lot of these games in 2023, but just turned around and said that it would be more imperative for the rushing offense to be better than South Carolina's rush defense. Why did I do that? Because I think South Carolina is just going to have a hard time moving the football on the ground this year. So again, that's why I brought up this hypothetical scenario. If you have to pick one or the other happening, you're going to pick South Carolina's rushing attack being better. I think that being South Carolina's overall success is going to be higher in 2023 if you see that. But I don't think that's going to take place still. So I do believe that overall, Spencer Rattler this offense, they still need to get off the fast starts. But if you're picking one or the other, you want South Carolina's rushing offense to be better, more so than their rush defense. So SEC Media Days concluded this past Thursday, and with the conclusion of Media Days, the media members that were there in attendance in Nashville all got a ballot where they could fill out their projected order of finish for both divisions, who they thought was going to win the SEC championship, and also they're all SEC teams. First team and second team, and apparently the third team is decided by sort of whoever got the leftover votes. South Carolina was projected to finish third in the SEC East. They got three first place votes overall. They got one vote to win the SEC championship. And they had six total all SEC nods between Juice Wells, Kai Kroger, Mitch Jeter, Trey Knox, and Taka Hemingway. And I want to say, first of all, congratulations to all those guys because they are all deserving of it. But that is not what I want to talk about with the last segment of today's show. We got to address the fact that South Carolina's secondary did not see a single member get put on an all-SEC team. That is flagrantly disrespectful to this group. It really and truthfully is. With what Torian Gray has got coming back in 2023, and for gosh sakes, what he has done in just two years in Columbia... Anybody that is a smart football mind can look at South Carolina's secondary and just make the assumption that at least one of those guys will be an all-SEC player for this conference in 2023, and somehow nobody got put on there. Not one. That includes DQ Smith, that includes Marcellus Dial, and probably the most egregious omission. Nick Evan Worry didn't make any of these lists. It's just embarrassing. It is honestly and truthfully embarrassing. So really quickly, I want to, before I get into this, I do have to admit, some of these guys, they don't get nominated by the schools. So maybe that was the case with one or two of South Carolina's guys. So maybe DQ Smith didn't get nominated, but Nick Worry and Marcel Stahl did. Admittedly, there is a behind-the-curtain type of process that takes place with this voting, so I can't fully state with confidence that all three of these guys could have been put on the ballots. 
But that still does not excuse the fact that none of these guys made it on any of these All-SEC teams. So, real quickly, I want to dive into the stats for the guys that made third-team All-SEC and compare that to these three guys from South Carolina's secondary. Major Burns of LSU recorded 37 total tackles and four pass breakups this past season. DJ James at Auburn, along with Nehemiah Pritchett, at least I believe that's how you pronounce his name, they both recorded 37 total tackles and eight pass breakups. James also added one interception and one touchdown last fall. And then Jason Marshall Jr. of Florida had 29 total tackles, eight pass breakups, and one interception in his own right. Now, a couple of those stat lines, they're pretty solid overall. But when you compare those to South Carolina's guys, it makes you sit there and wonder why in the world were these guys on the third team All-SEC list and none of South Carolina's defensive backs were. Nick Emmett-Worry recorded 85 total tackles and one pass breakup. I believe that ranked second out of all defensive backs in the conference last year when it came to tackles and first out of all the returning defensive backs. And somehow he doesn't get put on this list. Please explain that to me. Marcellus Dial, probably just as egregious, honestly, as Nick Evanworry. Because you look at his stat line, it's incredible from last fall. 45 total tackles. 15 pass breakups. 15 of them. Name somebody off the top of your head that's got more than that. Just anybody in the SEC. Anybody that might be watching or listening to this show. Somebody please explain it to me. Marcel Style also had three interceptions to top it all off. Apparently, though, that's not good enough to make it on an all-SEC team preseason heading into the next year. DQ Smith, 54 total tackles, seven pass breakups, two interceptions, one sack, one forced fumble, one touchdown. Apparently, sorry, bud, not good enough. Not good enough. I'm just amazed. But you know something? When you also consider the fact that I believe Vanderbilt got five to eight votes, five to eight first place votes to win the SEC East, I guess I should not be completely surprised by the fact that Nick Evan worried Marcel Stown, DQ Smith, all three, in my opinion, deserving of at least a serious look. And Evan Worry and Dial, let's be honest, both of them should probably make it onto a list. I maybe shouldn't be surprised that none of them made it on an all-SEC team. Because if that happens, by the way, going back to Vanderbilt earning those first-place votes and championship votes on top of that, I I just got to say right now, anybody that did that, honestly, the SEC should never give them credentials to SEC Media Days ever again. I'm not even kidding about that. That might sound harsh, but you are seriously starting to compromise the integrity of the voting system between media members in this conference by just handing these things out, allowing people to go in there, and these guys, you know, I I guarantee you a couple of them probably rounded up together, sat at some table and said, hey guys, you know what would be so funny? If I put Vanderbilt as the SEC champion and give them first place votes. Because you can't tell me that Vanderbilt beat writers went to Nashville, sat there, and actually said to themselves, you know something? Clark Lee's getting a championship this year. Good season for the Commodores last year. I know I'm going on a mini rant at this point. Good series for the Commodores, or good season. They beat Kentucky and Florida. Congratulations. You still went 5-7, and seven, 
I mean, I didn't think people were going to take his comment that seriously about Vanderbilt eventually being the number one team in the country this past SEC media days. Anyways, to relate it back to this point, this is just embarrassing. And nobody's going to talk about this because the SEC, as they always do, look at the bigger brand schools. But anybody that has a good enough football mind and has a journalist that was there, they would all know South Carolina secondary, one of the best in this conference. And somehow, you don't put a single guy on one of those lists. It's pathetic. Absolutely ridiculous. And you know something? At the end of the day, I know fans probably say it's good for them because they'll have an extra chip on their shoulder. And you know something? I cannot disagree with that point. I can't. I know that Nick Evan Ward is probably going to be fired up for this year. Marcel Style, not a guy that probably talks as much as maybe a Cam Smith or some of these other guys. But you know Marcel Style, he's probably filing that away in his mental file cabinet. DQ Smith, same exact deal. Uh, I really hope those guys kind of go off this year, to be honest with you. And I hope that, you know, it'd be great. It'd be great if all three of them make an all-SEC team in the postseason, and then they look back at the preseason list, and then people sit there and go, wow, how on earth did we just completely overlook South Carolina secondary? Hope that happens, because again, it is stupid, honestly, that none of them made one in the preseason at SEC Media Days. Anyways, that does it for that rant, and that does it for today's show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. I do hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show. What are your thoughts about South Carolina's offense? Do you think because of the possible running game concerns, Spencer Rattler and this offense, they'll have to get off to faster starts in 2023. What do you think is more important in terms of the Gamecocks' success? Their rush offense or rush defense? And also, what are your thoughts on this absolute joke that South Carolina's secondary did not see a single member get put on a preseason All-SEC team? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on YouTube or shoot me a direct message on Twitter at A-Line underscore SC if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. But with that being said, again, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Monday and a fantastic start to the work week. And I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.